this is the in focus podcast from the hindu good morning and welcome to the hindus in focus podcast i am zubeda hamid your host for today The second wave of COVID-19 infections in India has seen record highs of over 2000 deaths and nearly 3 lakh cases recorded on a single day. Health systems in many parts of the country are completely overwhelmed, reports of oxygen shortage are pouring in, and as cases surge, some states have imposed local lockdowns. How is the second wave in India, which began this year, much later than second waves in other parts of the world, different? Did we miss data that pointed to what was coming? when can we expect to see a decline in cases and what steps can the country take to ensure that we battle the pandemic without another economically crippling national lockdown to answer these questions we have with us today dr bhramar mukherjee professor of epidemiology and chair of biostatics at the university of michigan good morning dr bhramar mukherjee and welcome to the hindus in focus podcast Thank you Zubeda. Uh it's a pleasure to be here. Doctor on Tuesday India for the first time since the pandemic's outbreak saw over 2000 deaths on a single day and over 290000 new cases recorded. Countries including the United Kingdom and the United States have seen surges and then sharp declines in the number of cases during their second waves. Will India's second wave be similar? Thank you for that question and we have been modeling the pandemic in India for more than a year now uh and as i shared through various writings and uh social media and talk shows that our models were predicting uh 3 weeks ago uh this 300,000 cases and 2000 deaths uh every day which is a very grim prediction uh the feature of second waves and second peaks and surges all over the world in uk us uh, south africa has been a sharp rise and a sharp fall and our models so far are showing that maharashtra is going to peak towards the end of april and india mid to late may because there are large populous states where the wave is coming So India is a heterogeneous system so it's very hard to think about India as a single peak uh different states come to boil at different point of time and so we are going to see this delayed but hopefully uh it is not going to long as uh, as much as the first wave it's going to be a sharp rise and a sharp decline but what the height of that peak is going to be uh that something is also quite scary many models are uh predicting very hard high numbers including uh about uh 500000 uh cases every day and about 3000 to 4000 deaths and if those projections come true i'm truly really really worried i hope i can uh convince everyone uh to take their best precautionary measure and beat those dire projections from models Doctor could you explain to us a little bit about the waves of infection in a pandemic when can the virus potentially lose steam and what would be an effective level of vaccinations to achieve this keeping in mind the current supply and other constraints 
So that's a great question, and I wish I knew the answer. Uh, <laughs> and uh, of course, you know, there are several reasons for this second surge, uh, and we often see the same kinds of reason uh, historically. One is definitely that the lack of COVID-appropriate behavior right at a time when the country is reopening. And I think we all threw caution to the wind and it was premature to celebrate uh, the end of the pandemic in India and declare victory. The second thing is also the Cerro surveys really confused us because uh, the past Cerro surveys in large urban metros showed us that one out of two uh, people are already infected with the original strain of the virus. So our models were sort of predicting if there is no way to get reinfected, uh, then uh, you could not really explain that spike. But of course, we also know that uh, immunity could also wane uh, after seven months. You only have uh, about 84% protection for future infection from past infection. So uh, about 16 to 20% reinfection could still happen. But all of these things together cannot explain the spike that we are seeing, which points us to the possibility of the newly emerging variants being more transmissible and that's why uh, we have seen that and there are several variants have been identified, including the double mutant. And so second surges are seen because of the seasonality, because of all of these factors coming together. Uh, and also many of us took the highest level of precaution, including my own family, for one year. And they probably lost some of their natural immunity, but then they're up and about uh, putting their guards down. So the virus has so-called fresh prey. Uh, so all of these things coming together can lead to this spike. But of course, we have to be very cognizant of the possibility and investigate uh, the the properties and the characteristics of these new variants, including the double mutant. Dr. India's second wave seems to have come later. Most countries saw second wave sometimes last year, whereas in India, as you have already told us, infections began to decline from late September and then began surging again this year. So was the country's intense nationwide lockdown the only reason responsible for the delay or were there other factors play? About the timing of the second wave, I think India is also a very large country, right? So the other countries where we have seen the peak population is definitely a factor uh, in terms of when you see the peak and you saw a very slow growth uh, in the first wave and uh, partially due to the national lockdown uh, very early onwards and um, the success of that lockdown to some extent uh, in uh, resisting the transmission and scaling up the healthcare capacity. But I think that the big populous nature of India is also one of the reasons which is which makes it different from other countries. It's very big and also it's very heterogeneous. As I said, that uh, in the first wave also, we did not see a single peak where all the states uh, rose to the peak at the same time. We saw a cascade of peaks. So it takes a while uh, for India to show a unique peak when all the states are in a state of containment. Doctor, the second wave has seen the healthcare system in some states completely overwhelmed. There are reports of lack of beds and medical oxygen and problems in drug supplies emerging from Gujarat, Delhi, Maharashtra and other places. Did we go wrong in not adequately preparing our health infrastructure or is the harder and faster nature of the second wave that accounts for this? 
So I do think that there were progress made uh, during the first uh, wave and particularly utilizing the time of the national lockdown and different unlocking periods in terms of scaling up testing. And when I was in India, it was much easier to get tested in India than in the United States. I can vouch for that. Uh, I think the healthcare capacity in terms of isolation center, uh, centralized quarantine facilities, COVID care centers, they were scaled up. ICU beds and ventilators, they also went up by many folds. So the country did scale up its infrastructure in wave one. But I do think that we really let our guards down in wave two. Uh, Whatever we had, the scaled up, all the work we did somehow uh, got undone because we were really, um, really not very mindful of the signals in the data and the preparation we could have taken. Uh, For example, so I think the surge that you're seeing, even with the scaling up that we had, it's almost like uh, you have a tidal wave coming and you have a picket fence to resist it. So it's getting swamped away. But I think uh, I, I do think that a lot of work was done. But nobody anticipated this such a huge surge. And this is also living in data denial that from the middle of February, uh, there were indications that there is something unusual going on. And we know enough that we cannot really wait till we see the cases and death surge. We have to anticipate the silent footsteps of this insidious virus. So I think that uh, to, to when we are seeing all of these upticks happening and the R values crossing unity of after two or three months. I remember tweeting in the middle of February and even my own family was ridiculing me and being dismissive of the numbers uh, that this is nothing. COVID has magically disappeared. So I think that uh, we really needed to address it at that time so that uh, with long sustained use of masking, social distancing, uh, hand sanitization, we could avoid stringent measures, hammers like the lockdown, which has crushing consequences to our economic and social health. Doctor, you spoke a little earlier about the zero surveys. Um, There is a huge number of cases being reported from metro cities this time around, even though zero surveys last year had indicated that close to 50% of the population had COVID-19 antibodies. What could explain this? And are the mutant strains responsible? And could you talk to us a little bit more about how long we have effective antibodies against SARS-CoV-2? Yeah, so these are uh, questions and not all of the answers that I know. I think according to the latest results, it seems like that uh, at seven months from a prior COVID infection, it uh, offers you 84% protection from a future infection. But there is, of course, a lot of variability. So if you think about Mumbai and uh, when the first wave actually peaked and think about seven months, you can still expect to to see uh, 20% of reinfection, even from the original variant. Now we have to really study whether the new variants are actually have immune escape properties so that they can evade the neutralizing antibodies from past infection or even from some vaccines. But I am hopeful that the vaccines, all of them, the all of them that are approved, offer some level of protection and immunity from this whole uh, s- whole spectrum of variants that we are seeing. And uh, I don't have reason to believe otherwise. 
I also think that uh, reinfections, uh, it, it, the vaccine actually protects you from severe disease. And so the breakthrough infections post-vaccination that you are seeing uh, is, is, is natural. And uh, the 95% efficacy or 80% efficacy is against severe disease and hospitalization. There could also be bias in the seroservice. So the seroservice uh, could have, have projected an overestimation due to their sampling strategy. Also, in terms of measuring the antibodies, uh, there could be biases in seroservice. And we have seen this in India, and we have also seen this in Brazil, in Manaus, where 75% seroprevalence was reported. So we really have to dig deeper into this epidemiologic net to find out lots of mystery uh, that we have not solved yet. Dr. The second wave has seen an alarming rise in test positivity ratios across states and cities. And as you told us earlier, the effective reproduction number is well above one and rising in most parts of the country. At a time when the restrictions have been removed in order to get livelihoods going, even the prime minister in his speech yesterday said that lockdowns should be the last measure. Was it really going to be possible to control this surge? So I think that there are many, we cannot, so, you know, uh, one thing is that we could dissect the past and uh, think about what we could have done. But the fact is, that's the harsh truth of life and existence is that we cannot change a single thing about the past and cannot create a counterfactual reality. So I want to look forward and think about how we can navigate this now. But having said that, I'll say that when all the indications were there for uptake to continue with massive political rallies or religious gathering or people's um, idea of not really using the mask in an appropriate way, all of these things has a price, has a severe price uh, to pay. And I, I feel very unfortunate that when all the vaccines are with coming up with so much hope, then we are losing countless lives because of, um, you know, our lack of decision making guided by data, science and humanity. So I, I do think that the complacency, negligence, a lot of, um, you know, triumphant exceptionalism all contributed to this uh this state we, which we are in now, but there is no point in really playing that blame game. And I don't think that's constructive. We really have to work together so that we can get through this uh, surge, uh, losing and, 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 and stop uh, loss of life, prevent and save, prevent deaths and save as many lives as possible. Uh, so I, I do think that many of the, these deaths were preventable by policy and also by human behavior. And this pandemic has really taught us that it's a cooperation between the scientists, between the policymakers, between the public, and between the private sector who is producing many of these vaccines, many of these tests, healthcare capacity. We really have to work in concert and not against each other. So I do think that, yes, a lot of probably missteps were taken, but there is no point dissecting over it. We have to move forward and try to do our best. Doctor, any lessons that India can learn from Europe and other countries, second and even more waves of the pandemic? 
Yes. So, so one thing is that we have learned and we have learned it probably the hard way that we really need to adhere to a COVID adaptive life. And this is true everywhere because this is hard uh, to uh, really adopt double masking, social distancing, avoiding large gatherings and, um, you know, having small gatherings with vaccinated people. These are some new thinking that have to be incorporated in our living. And if we adhere to those sustained measure, then we can avoid such massive lockdowns, right? So we have to really think about the consequences. And I think data denial, that when you are seeing the data showing that this is growing, uh, you have to really be data adaptive and take immediate prevention measures. And it's not an easy place for policymakers because you don't see the deaths, you don't see the cases, but you have to anticipate. And we have really learned that. And I think the other thing which we have learned is that even with vaccination, for the foreseeable future, we have to have a really alert public health system because the variants are going to pop up, cases are going to pop up, and we have to apply the foundational principles of public health in terms of testing, tracing, and treating, even when the cases come down, even when a large percentage of population is vaccinated, we really have to have a very agile and alert public health system this is not the last wave. This is not the last pandemic. And investments now can prevent later from astronomic costs in terms of economic costs, as well as social uh, costs and costs to human lives as well. Doctor, you just said that this may not be the last wave. What do epidemiological models show for India going forward? And how can one interpret these estimates and trends? So it is in our hand, right? It is in our hand. It depends on how fast we can scale up vaccination so that the vaccines actually outpace the variants that we are seeing. And we have to be prepared that if there is a surge, we have to be data alert that we can uh, really take the signs and signals from the data and try to intercept early. And, and we all have to be prepared after this experience, we learn it the hard way, that we are not going to be premature in our celebration. That's what we want to do. But as the country reopens again, we cannot make the same mistakes. We have to be prepared uh, that, you know, the masks are going to stay with us for foreseeable future. We have to use our personal caution. We have to really avoid large indoor spaces uh, with eating and um, big weddings. We have to be very cautious with our future uh, so that we can avoid such, such devastating consequences. So there may be another wave and we do not know, but depends on how fast you can vaccinate and how effective the vaccines are against this emerging variants. So I think that the reality is really tantalizingly poised between this vaccines and variants and not just in India. And as we scale up genomic sequencing and have a broad net to really capture the known variants and the emerging variants and study them and take our precautions, I think we'll be in a good position to really fight this pandemic better and there will not be such a huge surge. So this is a teaching moment for all of us uh, that we should not be complacent. Doctor, you mentioned genomic sequencing as well in order to find out more about new strains that could be doing the rounds in the country. And now that 
Could you explain to us a little bit how important it is to find out all we can about new strains in order to help battle the pandemic? Yes, yeah, so so I think this is really important not just for India for the whole world to really uh capture the variants of concern and detect them and uh study their properties as early as you can. And you know mutations in 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 the virus is expected not all of them are of concern. Uh when the mutation happens it can change the characteristics of the virus and also uh that how the mutation is going to uh affect clinically. So of course we we have been talking a lot about the transmissibility the lethality and the immune escape properties of these variants but things like which treatment will work for which variant or which test diagnostic test rt pcr test may be optimized for a particular variant and may not work as well for another variant these subtle things can also happen and can make a big difference so uh genomic sequencing should be a part of epidemiologic surveillance so for example uh, any case of reinfection or any case of vaccine breakthrough infection should be sequenced because there your chances of finding a variant emerging variant may be uh, higher similarly a portion of cases that are coming international travelers should also be sequenced so that we can actually understand what is going on um India is contributing the sequencing data to international consortium but it would be really wonderful to see in real time that how this a uh, particular variant is becoming the dominant strain uh, for example in Maharashtra initially it was 20% and then more than 60% so it's quickly replacing the original strain once again talking about the, the suggesting that it could be quite transmissible compared to the original variant Another thing I think is that cluster infection that when you detect a variant in someone you really have to bring in that whole epidemiologic machinery of contact tracing and cluster detection coupled with genomic sequencing. So I think for the foreseeable future all the countries are going to really set up a network of entities, private labs, universities, uh government hospitals, government labs which can sequence a decent portion of the detected cases so that we can have a handle on what is going on with respect to the known variants but also the emerging variants doctor vaccination apart what are the steps policy makers can now take assuming that a second nationwide lockdown is not possible to contain the spread of the virus and to minimize deaths Yeah this is this is a very difficult situation and i think that uh, there has to be some regional lockdowns maybe not at the same time so that the country does not shut down at the same time but as you see that uh, maharashtra is uh, went through a lockdown and then now delhi and i yes. anticipate this will happen in calcutta as well given the spike that we are seeing so uh definitely ban all large gatherings and have a mask mandate these are the two most important things that we can do and we can conform to and comply with so that we can save other people's lives so it's not just our lives we are in affecting other people's lives so these are the definitely two things that can be done uh banning international travel uh is a possibility but even not uh really enforcing strict quarantine on international travelers and uh sequence a representative portion of them is going to be also key 
another thing is, of course, we talked about this a lot in great detail, the vaccination. Uh, there are other steps in terms of, you know, supporting the most vulnerable and um, incentivizing them to comply with lockdown or social distancing. And uh, this we have to sort of, it's very unfortunate because in three, four months, there will be copious supply of vaccines. And that's why the deaths that are happening are preventable. And so I think that we have to really look forward work together to increase our vaccine supply, to really increase, have a robust supply of oxygen and COVID treatment supply, COVID treatment related supplies. We all have to work together uh, with data and information uh, guided by science and humanity. Thank you so much for speaking to us today. Thank you, Sveda. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.